the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Life.com. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you know the one you never knew. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin and believe. On the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm shakes at the mention of his name he has power over life and death every knee will bow and tongue confess heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father will you bow will you to his majesty he can save you from the might of all your sin this is a fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ 
You can find peace in him From the judgment that's to come That's to come. He is a shelter from the coming storm. He's the only shelter from the coming storm. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I was awakened, I thought, this morning early, hearing a voice, my voice, listing all of my sins, one after another. And then a pile of sins appearing in front of me. And the pile of sins kept growing. I was very alarmed. What's happening? When my voice finally was still, there was a pile of sin that was well above my head. Chunks of pride, boulders of of self, all kinds of sin. I immediately was wide awake and I began to cry out to the Lord. Lord, There's no way possible that I could ever be useful to you in your kingdom with this pile of sin. I've done too much. I've not done so much. I was filthy, unclean. And then I was back in that in-between place. And I said, Lord, I have no righteousness of my own. Any righteousness I have has come from Jesus. 
I have no, no innocence. I'm filthy. And he said to me, your sins are all forgiven. And I looked at the pile of sins. And they were gone. The sin was taken away by the blood of Jesus Christ. The sin was removed from my life, from my heart, from my mind. Jesus delivered me from the very real, concrete wickedness of my own heart. I need to talk to you about something I began last week. And that is Matthew, the 11th chapter, beginning in verse 28. Now, lest you think I'm just repeating myself, last week was a very important week in my life. I'm now pushing into the third month of being totally crippled, not being able to walk or use my right leg because I fell and broke bones and they grind against each other. If I try to use them, I can't put any weight on that right leg. And I've been crying out to God about this standing on his promises that I will be healed in the name of Jesus, I am healed. But I'm waiting for the actual manifestation. So as I as I spent this time before the Lord, I've told you that about two years ago, the Lord spoke three audible words to me. It was in the early hours of the morning. Now, the first two things he said to me, I took very seriously. The third thing, I didn't know how to take it, so I didn't. It was a nice idea. It was a sentimental idea. The first thing he said was, wait upon the Lord. And he said it in a magisterial voice, wait upon the Lord. Okay. I know how to wait. I didn't do a good job. I didn't please the Lord in the way I waited. I still was doing and going the things that I thought I needed to do and go for. That's not what he meant. He meant wait, stop. Number two, the Lord will carry you through. And I thought by that he meant he will carry the radio broadcast. And he has been. And I'm very grateful for each of you who's been responding to the Holy Spirit and helping to carry this broadcast. I could not do it on my own. The third thing he said, he used my first name. It's the first time God has spoken to me in an audible voice 
and used my first name. He said, Ray, enter my rest. It wasn't as a command. It was an invitation. Ray, enter my rest. Well, I didn't know what to do with that. What could he possibly mean? Take more time to nap? Take more time to do what? I'm a practical person. What are you talking about? But there was no answer. So I thought that was really nice that he spoke to me in my first name. But what do you mean? That's what I want to share with you today. It was an incredible revelation for me. It will be uncomfortable for some of you. It was uncomfortable for me. Matthew, the 11th chapter, verse 28. You must come to me. All the ones being weary and having been burdened. So I have to make a deliberate choice about whether I consider myself to be tired and burdened. And I obviously said yes to that. And then he said, and I will give you rest. What is rest? Well, the actual word means cessation. It means you stop doing what you're doing. You just shut her down. It stops right there. Done. No more movement. I will give you rest. But then, how's that work? How do I enter the rest of God? Well, Jesus continues in this verse. And remember, the punctuation is not there. This was added many, many, many years later. I will give you rest. You must take my yoke upon you and you must learn from me. In other words, you have a decision to make. You've been invited into the presence of Jesus. And in the presence of Jesus, you now are being told, take my yoke upon you. Well, what's a yoke? I'm a farm boy. It's the heavy piece of timber that goes across the two oxen that are being yoked together. And the wooden piece that goes underneath around the neck and then you're hooked up to the plow or you're hooked up to whatever it is that the farmer is doing it says you must take my yoke upon you well how do I take the yoke of Jesus on me well as I thought that through it was very plain to me that the way I take the yoke of Jesus upon me is by faith. Everything that we do with God is by faith. 
By faith I am standing that I will be healed by the touch of God. I'm waiting on God. We'll learn more about that in a bit. But you can't please God if you don't know his ways. And it's impossible to please God if you don't believe that he exists and you don't believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I've learned that. I've learned to wait upon God. I wait upon him for his answer. Sometimes it's a short wait and sometimes it's a long wait. Most times it's a long wait. Come back now with me to verse 29. You must take my yoke upon you. It is an action that I personally take. How do I take that action? Jesus, by faith, I take your yoke upon my life. Now, as soon as you take that position, by faith, taking the yoke of Jesus on your life. You can only have one yoke with Jesus. Every other yoke, every other bondage is now broken by Jesus because by faith, I said, Jesus, I take your yoke upon me. Now, please, Break every other yoke in my life. Some of you are yoked into the television and the movies. Some of you are yoked into the internet. Some of you are yoked with your cell phone. Some of you are yoked to entertainment. Some of you are yoked to sports. And you teach your children very, very early. You got to be a baseball kid. Doubleheader coming up. And kids are trained to be yoked to sports because parents believe that sports and competition are good for people. Yokes must be broken. If parents knew the Holy Spirit and they spent as much time teaching their daughter or their son about the power of Jesus Christ and his promises and the assignment to be about the kingdom of God, if parents took even a small amount of time and cut out the sports, cut out the dance and the gymnastics, oh, but I, my child needs that to be balanced when they grow up. No, they need Jesus when they grow up. They need Jesus, not foolishness. 
not sin, not worldliness. So you must make a very conscious decision about saying, okay, I'm going to take upon me the yoke of Jesus, and please now, Jesus, let your yoke break every other yoke that I've been hanging on to, whether that yoke is your fun, enjoyable life of travel, whatever the yoke is, it must be broken because now you are coming into servitude with Jesus Christ. Young woman came to Jesus. She was totally converted. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. Guy Bevington said to her, What's the Spirit of God saying to you? A beautiful young single woman. What is God saying to you? She said, I only see children dancing and crying out before me. Asking me to come teach them about Jesus. In Malaysia. And Guy Bevington said, that's the Lord's invitation into the mission service for you. Will you accept? Yes. She lived there for 16 years teaching them the gospel. God worked out marvelously how she could go. After 16 years of intense service, she got sick and went home to be with Jesus. What is the yoke Jesus has for you? People say to me, Oh, I can't do that. That's inconvenient. That's out of the way. What are you talking about? The yoke of Jesus is inconvenient. It cuts directly across the world, the entertainment, and the ways of the flesh. Take my yoke upon you. And now this next part. And you must learn from me. The King James Version does not translate it correctly. It carries the meaning of learn about me. No. The Christian church has spent way too much time learning all kinds of facts about Jesus. No, the text here the word learn from me is apo, meaning from away. It should be translated, you must learn off me. I have something to teach you. Listen up. So one of the first things that happens is you take the yoke of Jesus upon you. And then for the rest of your life, you're going to be learning from Jesus as he outlines 
what he wants you to do with your time and energy and money and life. Most people, you know what I'm going to say is true. Most people go to college, get the degree they want, or they get the job they want, or they go do whatever it is they want to do, and then they're on their way. And the whole of life is spent doing basically what they want to do. And they take on many different yokes. And those yokes come on and off depending on where you're at. But with Jesus Christ, the yoke stays on. It never comes off. You don't go to church on Sunday and go to the movies Sunday night. You're yoked to Jesus. He says, I am considerate and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Remember, it was all about finding rest. You must come to me, all the ones weary and having been burdened, and I will give you rest. What's he talking about? He's saying you will find peace in your soul because you are utterly given to Jesus Christ and not to the devil, the world, and the flesh. Not given to the things of darkness, but you're given instead to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you're a part of his kingdom and you strive and work for his kingdom. And he's saying, as you do that, you're going to discover, I'm considerate. I'm humble in heart. He's not arrogant. He's not hard-edged. He loves you. But he wants you to put that yoke on. When I came into this understanding, my wife and I both just stopped and said, Jesus, put the yoke on us and break every other yoke that would stand in the way of what you want with our lives. We want to serve you, Jesus. And many of you, can I be straight up? Many of you say, I want to serve Jesus when it's convenient, not when it's inconvenient. I want to serve Jesus except when it's going to cost me some money or friendship or inconvenience me. Then, then I'm not so eager to serve Jesus. I'll have to let it go for now because it's a it's not a convenient time. You understand? I'll come back again. I'm a volunteer. No. When you're yoked with Jesus, you're full time. You're a full time servant of the most high God. And what he says to you rules your life. And so you spend time learning off Jesus, from Jesus. The interest is not to learn 
about Jesus. The interest is to learn from Jesus what he wants from you, where he wants you to go, what he wants you to do, how you serve him, how you walk with him. It's full time. It's not part time. We're so accustomed to, oh, you know what? This week I'd like to go to that church or this week I'd like to go over here and hear this choir or they have a concert going on over here. I think I'll go to the concert. What are you, a consumer or a producer in the kingdom of Jesus Christ? That's a real important question to answer. If you're yoked with Jesus, you are not a consumer. You're a producer. I know what I'm saying sounds crazy to many of you. This is a devotion you're not acquainted with. You're accustomed to being in charge of your own heart and your own life and you go where you want to go and you do what you want to do. No, that's not being a Christian. To be a Christ follower, you have to be yoked in with him. Now, if we go over here, I'm going to turn to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is stunning. I said to the Lord, Lord, okay, I see this Matthew 28 passage. Is that the only passage in the New Testament that addresses this issue? No. Two chapters are given. And if you read it carefully, it'll scare you. The third chapter starts talking about you must carefully fix attention on the apostle and high priest of your confession, Jesus Christ. Well, do you have a confession that you are yoked in with Jesus? Do you have a confession that you only serve Jesus Christ? You do not serve yourself. That everything about your life is the kingdom of Jesus and the coming of that kingdom and the desire you have to be a part of that kingdom. I know many of you have never considered these things. But we must. Do you understand? We must. Let me begin reading with verse 7. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you may hear his voice, may you not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. I named this broadcast today Please, 
don't harden your heart against Jesus. Don't don't harden your heart against what I'm saying to you. It's real. Your eternal salvation depends on making this real in your life. You've spent enough time in the past doing what the pagans do. You've spent enough time in the past. And what did it gain you? Did it gain you a heart filled with peace and love and joy and hope? No, I know it didn't. May you not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In the day of temptation in the, in the wilderness where your fathers tested me, provoked me, and yet saw my work for 40 years. In other words, in the wilderness, they saw manna coming every day for 40 years. They saw water flowing out of the rock or coming up out of the ground to feed and water more than a million people and all of their livestock. And yet, it says, for this reason, I was angry with that generation. And I said, they are always led astray in their hearts. And they did not know my ways. As I swore in my oath and my wrath, they will not enter into my rest. So Jesus is saying, look, you may never be able to enter into my rest because you've always gone after what your own heart wants, not after Jesus. Do you realize if your heart really goes after Jesus, it will change the way you spend your time, your money, your energy, your friendships. It'll change everything in your life. And now Jesus will become everything to you. He will be the dominant thought and action of your heart that will result in your whole outer life being transformed as you do not give yourself to the way of darkness. I've been having a hard time over the last few days because I've been a people watcher. I like to watch people. Many of you do too. We find them entertaining. But in my watching of people, I've not been very compassionate. In fact, I've not been compassionate at all. And a change has been made in my spirit. Only God could have done it. I now look at a person. I don't see a beautiful woman. I don't see a a handsome, strong guy. 
I don't see a sick and poor old man. I don't see kids just playing. If you've been following me, you remember the McClure story. Mac died of throat cancer. He was a a union man at the Westinghouse. Sharon, Pennsylvania. A mile-long factory where they made washing machines. Today, that's all gone. It's just an open field. Teresa, I don't remember what she died of, but she died shortly after Mac passed. George, their son, a bully, a football star, man. Get your kids in football, guys. That'll, that'll teach them how to be godly. Now, he, he died of cancer, too, shortly after he graduated. They're gone. The whole McClure family is gone. Teresa making all of those wonderful cookies at Christmas time. Mac and my dad sitting together laughing as they watched the Lawrence Welk, Lawrence Welk Christmas special. They're all gone. They spent their time the way they chose to. And I spent my time chowing down on as many Christmas cookies as I could get before my mom would slap my hand and say, that's enough, Ray. Part of what's happened to me is I look at people and I see that they're all the McClures. They're all going to die. They have a short time here. And you get to use that time as you choose to use it. And great compassion has arisen in my heart as I see people frittering away their lives with trips here and trips there and cruises here and cruises there. And and then they're going to die. And they've never served the Lord. They never took the yoke of Jesus. My heart's broken. I didn't want the McClures to die that way. I loved them. They were kind to me. They were kind to my family. But they're gone. Cancer swept them off the earth. And they were not ready for eternity. I've been thinking about a lot of you. You talk a good talk, but you've never been yoked with Jesus. You've never said, Jesus, I'm full time with you now. I'll go where you send me. I'll do what you tell me. Are you yoked with Jesus?
I see a lot of religious people, but I don't see any yoke. I don't make it a requirement at the church. Everybody has to wear a yoke into the church. <laughs> no, that wouldn't work either, would it? Listen, you must take heed, brethren. This is verse 12, Hebrews 3, verse 12. You must take heed, brethren, lest there be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief in the fall away from the living God. But you must encourage yourselves every day while it is called today, lest any one of you may be hardened by the deception of the sin. For we have become partakers of the Christ on the condition that we may hold firmly the beginning of the trust until the end, the beginning of the trust of the yoking with Jesus. Today, if you may hear his voice, may you not burden your hearts as in the time of rebellion. May you not harden your hearts as in the time of rebellion. And I'm saying to you today, would you please, please, please do not harden your heart against this word that I'm bringing. Don't harden your heart. For some having heard, rebelled. Verse 17. Now whom was he angered for 40 years? Was it not with the ones having sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, except to the ones having disobeyed? Now we see that they were not able to enter in because of unbelief. They never, they never said to Jesus, okay, we believe you. We believe that you are the son of the living God. We believe, Jesus, that you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords and that everything is in your hands and that you're in charge of the world. We never believed that and we never came under his yoke and said, Jesus, yoke me in. Make it tight. Don't let it squeak. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to go where you tell me to go, regardless of how inconvenient that might be. Have you said that to Jesus? What have you said to Jesus? You know, it's one thing to say, oh, I'm going to trust Jesus' promises. Until you get hurt. And you don't look at his promises to heal you. Instead, you charge off to the doctor. No time in prayer. No time saying, Jesus, do you want me to go to the doctor? I'm not against doctors. 
If Jesus told me to go to the doctor for this broken hip, I'd go to the doctor. But he hasn't. He told me to wait on him. He told me he'd carry me through. He said, rest in me, Ray. So I've entered his rest in a way I've never had before. I'm yoked with Jesus by faith. I don't know. Is this just a a crazy old man as he struggles in his pain? I can tell you I would rather struggle now in my pain than struggle later in a burning lake of fire. My fate cannot be changed after I die. That fate has to be changed now. This is your opportunity. Are you yoked with Jesus? Will you enter in? Almighty God, I love you. And I'm not wise enough to tell people or even myself what I should do, except I'm wise enough to tell them get yoked in with Jesus. And then Jesus will come and tell you exactly what he wants you to do. And of course, one of the things you always do, it's one of your ways, is you say, okay, wait upon me and I'll tell you. Well, how long do I wait? How long is it worth waiting for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, for the majesty of heaven? Is he not worth waiting for? Lord, teach us your ways. And one of your ways is to cause us to just wait upon you and to worship you, to praise you and to honor you. I pray, Lord, that today every person will make the decision to get yoked up with you. And that doesn't mean they should leave their job. They should keep doing exactly what they're doing as they wait upon you to give them new orders or to tell them remain where you're at and serve me. Lord, we're so full of our own ideas and so full of our our own opinions about what we should do and how we should do it and where we should go and what we should buy and how we should operate and who we should love. Lord God, I'm asking now, would you cause every person listening to make the decision to say, Jesus, I choose by faith to ask you to yoke me in with you. And Lord, I know that when you get yoked and I want to go somewhere else, and Jesus, you want to go straight ahead, 
You're going to go straight ahead, even if it means dragging me across the field. Because yoking is is for life with you. So I pray, Jesus, now, by your grace and your mercy, that you would yoke these people who are listening. And you would begin to move with power in their lives to show them what you want them to do, how you want them to operate, how you want them to lay their lives down for for others and for you. Break the selfishness of our hearts. Break the waywardness and the pride and the ambition of our hearts. Lord, I pray you would come and open the scriptures of Matthew 28 and Hebrews 3 and 4. Lord, come and open this scripture to our hearts that we could understand what you're calling for, what you want from us. And Lord, some who are listening today They're yoked in with you, Jesus. And they may be suffering because of being yoked with you. But I know that you promise that if we wait upon you, I know that if we wait upon you, you will bring peace to our hearts. I thank you, Jesus. I ask, Lord, that in that peace would be joy and long-suffering. Lord, I want you to please have your way. Lord, some are struggling because where's the money come from? Lord, you said if we would seek you first and your kingdom, your righteousness, all the things that pagans lust for would be given to us as we need them. So, Lord, I'm asking for provision today for the people who are listening. And I'm asking, Lord Jesus, today for healing in the bones of the people who are broken before you. I ask, Lord, for healing from the sickness. I ask, oh, Jesus, would you have compassion upon us? Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray. I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22. 
1-800-273-1195. Again, Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. If you found today's study in Scripture refreshing and new for you that you'd never heard this before, why don't you put a note on the YouTube? Let us know that it was helpful to you. You can also go to the chat line and leave a message on YouTube. Now, you can go to our our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com nationalprayerchapel.com A big thank you to Ed for the awesome job he does on this webpage. You can give online and there are many, many, many very convicting sermons, podcasts. Share them with a friend. I also want to say thank you for Drew. Drew is our our uh, our producer down at Weva. He does such an awesome job. Thanks, Drew. God bless you all. I'll be back tomorrow. Join me and invite a friend to join. I'll talk to you soon. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.